This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. Hey, it is a great opportunity for me to join you as we move into 2020. And we, as a church, have been spending time this whole month learning to mute the noise of the world around us and then unmute the voice of God. And we're in a series on that called Unmute. And today, Unmuted, and today I want to just give you my title, my message, How to Hear God's Voice. Let me go right into the talk because I think it's really important. There's an opportunity for every one of us to lean into something that is available right now. And uh, we don't always think of it. And uh, in order to get there, we got to learn to silence some things. Did you know that the state of Minnesota, in fact, in South Minneapolis, we have the quietest room in the world in Minnesota. And it's at Orfield Laboratories. There's an acoustic and architecture test facility that's home to a Guinness-certified quietest place on Earth, the anechoic chamber, meaning echo-free. It's a powerful room behind two heavy vault-style doors and encased in double walls of steel and foot-thick concrete. Inside, the floor is mesh, and the walls are lined with three-foot-thick fiberglass acoustic wedges. And when the vault doors close behind you, if you were to go in there, the noise level plummets to minus nine decibels. And you know, quiet bedrooms and libraries are right around 30 decibels. So this is really low. And with no sounds coming from your surroundings, your attention begins to go to your body. You start hearing digestive sounds. Your breathing sounds like a whispering of a breathing. And your heartbeat becomes thunderous. It's beating really, really loud. Most people can't stay longer than 20 minutes, and they emerge disoriented, and they are a little bit out of it. And the anechoic chamber serves as a test room outside of for people, for merch, mark, uh, manufacturers who use the quiet room to gauge the volume of switches and displays and other components. Here's the point that I want you to make. When you do take a step to silence the noises around you, you begin to hear things that you wouldn't otherwise hear. You begin to hear your heartbeat. When it comes to God, when we learn to silence the noises around us, we begin to hear things in the voice of God in a way that we wouldn't otherwise hear him. Something happens, and it requires a shutting down or a muting of some things and an opening up or an unmuting of the voice of God as we go in through this series this month, we're in the middle of 21 days of, of prayer and fasting. And hope you're st still going strong with that and you're able to lean in and listen. We don't fast so that God hears us better. We fast so that we can shut down the noise in our life and we can hear him better. Amen? And, uh, and I hope you can stay on the journey with us. If you haven't already, you're welcome to join the rest of the church. As we lean in and listen to what God is saying to us and our families and what God wants to do in our story. But today I want to go... Again, back to the, the story of Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Remember, there's a story we're going to look at about a boy named Samuel who is a servant in the, in the house, if you will, of the Lord in the temple. And uh, as the leader of all of Israel, this is prior to the kings of Israel, the prophet, the priest, and the king, there's a guy named Eli. And Eli 
and his sons were not living for God, and, uh, and they hadn't heard much from God. And now God chooses now instead to bypass the older generation, if you will, and to reach the next generation. So let's look at it again. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. Let me just remind you that there's a link between your hearing and your seeing. If you want personal vision in your life, you want vision, you gotta be able to hear. These people had stopped hearing God's voice and therefore they lost vision for their own life. And you will lose vision for your life when you stop hearing the voice of God. It's important that you hear his voice. Verse two, one night Eli, who was almost blind by now, which is a physical sign of his inward spirituality, by the way, his blindness, he was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. Verse three, the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God, and suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel, yes, Samuel replied, what is it? And he got up and he ran to Eli, here I am, did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied, you woke me up, get out of here. <laughs> no, he said, go back to bed, so he did. Verse six, then the Lord called out again to Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel got up, went to Eli, and said, here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son. Eli's getting a little bit more grumpy. I can insert that into the text. Eli said, go back to bed. Verse 7, Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time. How many are thankful God doesn't stop calling us? Even though we're ignorant sometimes and we're not picking up on it, he keeps knocking. All right? So the Lord called a third time, and once more the Samuel got up, went to Eli, and said, here I am, did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. And so he said to Samuel, go and lie down again, and if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came and called us before a fourth time. Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. This is a powerful thing, and I'm gonna to talk to you today about how to hear God's voice. And then to understand this story, I wanna unpack it just even a little bit more today. Because to understand Samuel, you need to know that life wasn't just about Samuel and his own fame. You know, sometimes in this generation, it's all about, it's a myopic, self-centered view. I wanna get famous so that I'm important. I want people to notice me. And fame becomes the goal of everything. But did you know there's a larger story when Jesus gets a hold of a person's life that God wants to do more through, for, through you than to make you famous? That God is, there's a partnership between us and heaven that he wanna, wants to utilize us to benefit the world around us. You are salt and you are light. You make a difference to the people that you live around. And God, you are God's representative in that space. Well, for Samuel... It didn't just begin with his birth. Actually, if you back the bus up a little bit, two chapters, in chapter one and chapter two of 1 Samuel, Samuel was an answer to his mother Hannah's prayer. Hannah wanted this son to be born, and she, she made an agreement. She bartered with heaven, if you will. She said, if you give me a son, I'll turn him over to the church. Or I'll raise him in the, in the kingdom. And there's a, a, a really strong sense of relationship between God and this mother. And did you know that all of us 
all of us, no matter your family of origin, your storyline, that somebody somewhere was praying for you to get you to where you are in the first place. Somebody somewhere was praying for you. Those of you that grew up in the foster care system or perhaps you were adopted, I want you to know someone somewhere was praying for you. The very fact that you're alive is a victory. In the day and age of abortion, I'm telling you, you are here because somebody was caring for you. Can I get an amen to that? So for Samuel, he didn't even know all this stuff was going on, but there was a larger context to his life. He mattered. He wasn't, he wasn't woke to it yet. He hadn't realized yet that there was a larger context to his story. He was just going about his business, living in his small world, doing what he thought was important, but there was a larger context to the story. And God was going to unpack that, of course, through this story and the rest of the two books, the first and second Samuel. But I want you to hear this, because today, somebody somewhere is praying for you. My grandma and grandpa, Clark, they would gather together every morning at the kitchen table, and they would pray for every kid of theirs, every grandkid of theirs, every great-grandkid of theirs. And they would pray for them by name. That wasn't big, emotional, long. It was just very simple. I bring them before you, Jesus. I pray that your plans would be accomplished for their life, that the devil wouldn't win over them. And they would just pray it real simply. And they would pray that. I'm now 40, none of your business years old. My grandparents have gone on to be with Jesus, and I believe I'm still getting answers to their prayer from decades ago. There is power in your prayers. Power in your prayers. In fact, when Jesus told us to pray, I taught about this, uh, taught about this this past Wednesday at our Seek First Night in Spring Lake Park, and it's online if you want to catch it. But in Matthew 18, Jesus says this, I tell you this, Whatever you prohibit on earth is prohibited in heaven, and whatever you allow on earth is allowed in heaven. I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together because they are mine or in my name, I am there among them. What my grandma and grandpa were doing, it was two or three huddling up and praying together, and God was answering their prayers. I mean, when you pray with somebody else, there's power in it. And that's what we do during this 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're not just uh, saying no to food or other things. We're also saying yes to the voice of God and in partnership with the family of God. Jesus said your powerful prayers come when you get to together with other believers. We pray together. Now here's the challenge. Samuel is now in a setting where there was a guy who did not pray or talk to God any longer. Eli once did, and he stopped doing what he used to do. He no longer had the dialogue with God, and there was, there was a, a famine in the land for the word of God. There was no visions, and there weren't a whole lot of messages coming. And yet God still wanted to get a message to Israel. So he decides, I'm going to use Samuel. I'm going to talk to somebody he doesn't even know I want to talk to. Turn to the person next to you and say, you don't know it, but God wants to talk to you. <laughs> and so here's what he's supposed to do. Eli was supposed to get it, but because he screwed up and he disregarded God's instruction on disciplining his sons and he allowed sin in the house, God was going to bypass him. And let me just say this to you. Just because you acknowledge that you've messed up, does it 
mean that you're healed and forgiven yet. Repentance and confession are not the same thing. Confession doesn't resolve anything, repentance does. See, confession opens the door to healing, but repentance closes the door to repeating the failure. Eli could have said, I know I let my sons go, but God didn't say, okay, you're off the hook, and we live in a generation where it's, a, it's a good enough just to say, I know, I drink, I know I'm a, I do things I shouldn't do, I know I'm into that, and everybody goes, oh, that's okay, I know you had a hard time with your mom, and, and your parents weren't very nice to you, and, and we give we, excuses to everybody, right? But that doesn't change anything. Eli did not repent, and he didn't change when God spoke to him. When God speaks to you, you can't just acknowledge it and say, yes, I realize I'm a sinner. You need to take the next step and say, I need a savior, and I'm not going back to doing what he was talking to me about. If you're going to experience the ongoing words from heaven in your story, you've got to learn to walk in repentance. But Eli didn't confess or repent, so God couldn't be heard. He had destroyed his little receiver. It was as if he had taken the cell phone and thrown it on the ground, and the signal was coming. He just couldn't hear it anymore. Hearing is a skill set that you learn and you develop. And even though Samuel lacked experiences in receiving messages from God, he could learn to hear it. So Samuel didn't get it, and he didn't understand it, and now God has bypassed Eli, and he's speaking to Samuel, and Samuel's like, I don't understand what's going on, and he goes to Eli about it. I just want you to know, hearing is a skill set you can learn. You can learn to hear God's voice. Just like little babies who are born, and, and as they come into the home, and, and mom nurtures and cares for this little baby, and perhaps family members come around, and they speak, Gucci Gucci. there's ooh, you're so cutie, and they're talking. The little baby doesn't understand what you're saying, okay? But that environment creates an experience where they eventually will understand. That nurture and that voice becomes familiar, and they trust that voice. I mean, you know, Jesus said that my sheep know my what? You learn to know and understand that voice, and as you hear the voice and you learn to listen to it, you grow into it. And then little syllables come out, and little babies say mom and dad or dada or whatever words they come up with. They begin to understand what no means. How many know toddlers know what the word no means? And, and as they grow, they go into school and teachers begin to help them with language and sentence structure and vocabulary and, and spelling. And as they grow older, they now have a greater repertoire or reservoir or a bank of information and words to communicate with. When they're young, they don't have anything. Samuel didn't start with any understanding of those words, but he would grow in it. And not only would he grow, he would grow beyond this moment. You will see as he grows up, if you read through 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, he begins to hear not only one word and prophetic word, but he receives instructions from heaven on going anointing kings and taking care of responsibilities. He hears from God in greater 
capacity as he goes forward. You and I can grow in our ability to hearing the voice of God. You can discover how to hear what God has to say for you and your family. You can discover what God has to say about your finances. You can discover what God is saying to you as you navigate your daily routines. He wants to be a part of it. Can I get an amen to that? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul said it this way, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God knows me completely. God communicates but we don't always understand where, what he's saying. And we start wherever we are and we build on our ability to hear him. It's like Legos stacking up. We grow in our capacity to understand what God is saying. That's why Samuel kept going back to Eli. He didn't know what to do, so he went for some help. He didn't know yet how to understand what God was saying or that it was God. It wasn't that Samuel was incapable of responding, just that he needed to grow in the skill set of listening. And I want you to know you and I can grow as well. And the good news is that God wants his voice to be heard by everyone. Look this way. Maple Grove, Elk River, Spring Lake Park. God wants his voice to be heard by you. Not just to the pastor and me giving you the interpretation but he wants to speak directly to you, to your heart and in your story. And the good news, he wants everyone to hear it. In fact, we need to hear it. It is critical that you hear God's words. Matthew 4, Jesus is speaking, he says, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from where? The mouth of God. So it doesn't matter what you're getting from Twitter or Facebook or Snapchat or any other source, you got to hear what's coming from the word of God in order to live. Literally, we live by the words that come from the mouth of God. You know what that is? That's the Bible. This, is a, this isn't just some preacher up here pounding a bunch of things that are rituals that you have to do. Did you know in order for you to live, you need these things in your heart? You need the words that come from God in order for you to truly live. Some people are living an unlived life. You could be experiencing the words of God in you, but you're not living off of it. You're getting your hope and your dreams and your success stories from some other source, but you need the words of God. Can I get an amen to that? And Jesus is the living word. He's the one that comes to make revelation to our souls. Not only that, but if when you have that word in you, it keeps you healthy. It keeps you from spiritual viruses. Psalm 119, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not, what? Sin against you. In other words, you get it in here and it actually keeps you alive. And when God speaks, listen friends, amazing things happen. When God speaks, things are created. Let there be light. When God speaks, things are restored. Things are corrected. Things are blessed. We want those words in us. And if you have other words and other voices 
that have been in your head or on your life. Perhaps you had other people that destroyed the God concept because you grew up in a family where mom and dad were dysfunctional or whatever happened and they abused you or there was hurt and there was so much pain and you didn't get a better pathway and you think that somehow because you grew up in that environment, those words are gonna prevent you from having a future and a hope. I want you to know God's words spoken over your life Oh, a counteract and are stronger than the words of your past. That the, the words of God, you are his chosen generation. You are a child of God. You are adopted into the family of God. When Jesus spoke and he came to the earth, everywhere he went, he said the kingdom of God is available. It was as if he was saying, it's words coming out of my mouth, but I'm counteracting. Uh, I am nullifying. I am canceling all the curses that are on your life. I am releasing a new word, a word of blessing, a word of hope, a new story, a fresh start. God wants to do a new thing in your life and if you receive his words his words will push out all the other words and then you'll be left with life come on somebody you'll have the life the eternal the hope that only Jesus can bring the blessing of God over a life cancels any curse from the enemy and the presence of God's words in your heart repels sin so let me just go real simple today some of you are going to think this is like you've heard this before. Others of you, it's going to be the first time. But all of us need to be reminded how to hear God's voice. And I want to just give you six things on how to hear God's voice. The first one is this. Position yourself so you can hear God. Position yourself so you can hear God. In the story in 1 Samuel chapter 3, it's at night and Samuel is laying down. And the Lord comes when he's attentive and undistracted. And that time window is a time with no noise, no interruptions, and the world around Samuel is asleep and silent or muted. It's at this time where the Lord begins to turn up the volume and say, Samuel. And he speaks to him. Did you know that there's a, a, a thing in communication that's body language? Pastor Ben, would you come up here? And... Uh, with body language in a person-to-person -person communication where we are communicating different things to each other. Now, if I say, Pastor Ben, I want you to tell me about your weekend with your wife and your girls and what occurred, why don't you go ahead and just start. Wow, thanks for asking. It's actually like the best of times and then kind of the worst of times because uh, yesterday was the best of times. We had people over to watch a game and then it was the worst because we watched the game. Okay, and so let me, let me stop right there. Ben is trying to communicate to me, right? What am I communicating to him? I'm disinterested. I'm looking in a different direction. I'm focused on something else. I might be able to say the words back to him. But how many know I'm not paying attention to him? So when it comes to communication, we have to posture or position ourselves in a place where we actually will hear the person, not just the words. Not just go through, okay, I read my devotional, check. But we have to posture our heart, our attentiveness, to turn. Everybody said turn. So I gotta turn my attention around and so he knows I'm actually listening. 
Now, that also means I'm not looking somewhere else. And I'm listening to him. And here's what happens. When I turn and I let him know that my position where I can hear him, then he's more likely to go beyond the surface about the Vikings game and tell me, how many know he needs to get beyond that? <laughs> it hurts just for a moment. It's not eternal. There's always next year. I'll come up with all the cliches. But what might be going on is he might have had a really difficult weekend. And there might be some things that are really struggles in his heart. And in order for me to get there, I've got to turn and let him know I'm paying attention to you. Otherwise, he won't give me the next thing. All right? When it comes to God, and we've got to position ourselves, there might be other things God wants to share with us. But until we position ourselves where we say, I'm here to listen to you, we're never getting that stuff. Would you give it up for Pastor Ben? Thank you so much, bro. So what I'm saying is, and this is a great point, I talked about it last week, I'll just remind you that if you can set aside some time to pray and to read, it's like saying, I'm gonna turn away and I'm gonna give you attention, Lord. You take the time to listen to the word spoken to you on uh, the Bible app or whatever source you're using for the Bible in one year, or you spend some time saying, God, I'm turning your attention, you declare, now you're giving him attention, and you're, in a sense, getting ready for help, okay? And that is a practice also that requires meditation sometimes. Some of you might have heard of the word meditation as something far east and eastern religion. To meditate on something is to look at maybe a scripture or to think about something going on in your life and to give room for that just to sit there and then to listen for what God may be saying and not rushing in and expecting an answer for what you've been asking for. Perhaps God wants to go off script and not even deal with the things that you always pray about all the time. Some of us talk we want, all we do is talk in a conversation. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody? The only thing that happened was they talked and you listened. And they walk away and they feel really great because they got all this stuff off their chest and you're like, that was a waste of time. Well, how is it for God with you? What if you didn't just do all the talking? What if you pause and let him do some talking to you? All right, I'll get off your toes. Number two, ask for help. Ask for help. Samuel went to Eli three times. He went to somebody that was an authority over him that should have been hearing God, and eventually Eli did wake up because you know what? God used to speak to Eli. But he went to somebody he trusted. He went to chase people who know how to talk to God and hear from him. And they ask, he asks in a sense, what do you want? Now here's what I want you to consider. In the body of Christ, in the church world, this is why I believe in Redwood faith and how it can't just be uh, only come to church on Sunday, see the back of the heads in front of you, watch the preacher who heard from God speak to you, because in reality, there isn't a dialogue going on with me and you right now. 
You're all listening to me, hopefully. Okay? But what happens is when you are in the body of Christ, there are people all around you of all kinds of demographics of life, different seasons and stages of their journey. There, there by chance, is somebody in our church that's a little further than you spiritually, already gone through the season and stage you're in. And you can, when you don't know how to discern what you're going through in life and what is God saying to you, you can talk to those people and say, hey, can I pick your brain for a minute? Can I take you to coffee? Can I ask you after service just to stay for a minute? I want to process, how did you handle things in this story? How did you know what God was saying to you? And you can learn from someone else. But too many people, they step back and they just want God to speak and they're confused and they don't know how to interpret it and all they need to do is ask for help. So Samuel goes and he asks for help three times. And finally, Eli says, this is what you do next. How many know the advice that Eli gave was good advice? And we need some good advice to unlock the door to God speaking to our life in this season of our life. And I encourage you to chase people that are spiritually strong. And by the way, watch their walk. If their life points to Jesus, they're not egocentric, it's not all about them. Not everybody that is in the church is legit. Tell the truth and shame the devil, come on now. So be wise about who you listen to and you pick the brain of and listen to them, their story. That leads us to this, number three. Respond to God's invitation with an invitation. Respond to God's invitation with an invitation. God is calling out to Samuel as before. Samuel, Samuel, verse 10. And Samuel replied, speak your servant is listening. God was waiting for a response before he shared the message. He didn't tell the message until there was a response. And this is the dance of communication between us and God. God takes the first step and we take the second. And you may be wondering if God is speaking to you through circumstances, through success, through failure. I want you to know the response to that has got to be, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. You're saying, in a sense, in this season that I'm in, Lord, speak to me in this moment. How many sometime in the last six months had a bad day? <laughs> and you get a bad day, and you're like, what's going on? Does God hate me? What's going on? Maybe you complain about it to other people or think, and how many know complaining about it to somebody else doesn't change anything for you? But for, for Samuel, he had to pause and say, speak to me, Lord, I'm listening. It's our responsibility in the middle of our daily to pause after we experience something and we don't know what God is saying, to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I am open to what you have to say. It's an invitation back to God to speak to you. God is saying, Samuel, Samuel to you, and then you have a responsibility to say, speak, Lord. On the count of three, say your first name out loud. One, two, three. So if God says your name and you don't know what's going on, maybe the next step is just to say, I'm here, talk to me. I'm here, what do you want to say? 
Isn't this how Jesus taught his disciples? Remember, his disciples have been watching Jesus, and they're like, we've watched everything that you would do, but there's one thing that we really want that we don't have, and you do it. And when you pray, something happens. Every time you go behind a rock, get on your knees, and you pray to your Father, you come back out. There's miracles and words of insight, and you care for people, and you're loving and kind, and little kids jump up on your lap. So the disciples are like, we want that. We want what you got. We want to figure out how to pray. So they said, teach us to pray. So then Jesus says, well, if you want to pray, this is how you pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And there's a whole bunch in there and I could preach on it. But then he says this, your kingdom, what? Come. The word come is an invitation. He says, when you pray, you might not be experiencing the voice of God in your story. You might be wondering what is going on in your life. You might feel like you're so distant from anything good. In that moment, you talk to the Father, and when you talk to him, you say, come. It's an invitation. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. So no matter where you're at in school, you're raising kids, you've got your business, whatever your career is at, your relationships are, in the middle of those things, we need to learn to pause and say, speak, Lord. You know, one of the most dangerous places in all the world is success. Because in success, we might not pause any longer to hear what God is saying. We're all good. I don't need you right now, Lord. You got me here. Thanks a lot. But how many know when you're on the top, you need God's word to help you keep going? He might prevent you from falling and stumbling and going into something you shouldn't go into. He'll give you discernment and wisdom if in every part of your journey you pause and say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Come on, somebody. Respond to God's invitation with an invitation. Number four, wait on God. Wait on God. Wait on God. I don't mean like waiting for a bus. Some of us are like, wait. I don't mean you're going through the drive-through and you're three cars back and it's going too slow. Hello? And you're thinking in your head, what did they order? They ordered too much stuff and now they're slowing my day down. Who is that person? I bet you they got a special order of some kind of weird thing and now the whole... Day is wrecked because of that person three cars ahead of me. I know none of you have ever thought something like that. <laughs> Waiting isn't just sitting there and going, I'm like, God, I'm asking you for something, give something to me. And it's not sitting and waiting for a bus. Waiting, let me suggest to you, is a little bit more like a server in a restaurant. We used to call them waiters, right? Servers who will come to the table and they say, Hey, how's your day? What can I get for you today? Would you like a drink? What would you like? And this is what we've got to offer you. Would you like to put your order in? And they're writing down all the things that the, the table wants. And then they come back and they go, is, this, is everything good? Every once in a while, a manager comes along and goes, how is it? How many of you know managers sometimes come at the wrong time? They interrupt. You're like in a really good point in the conversation. You're like, I'm good. Can't you tell? So anyways, that was just a little rabbit trail of my thoughts. Like, really? We're in a deep conversation. You don't need to interrupt me. But don't you consider waiting on God a little bit more like being a server? Where you're coming to him and you're saying, what, what would you like today? How can I help you? 
And then we go back to our job. We go back to our families. We go back to our work, our daily life. And uh, we live out what he's asking. And then we come back to him and go, how is things? Can I do anything else for you? Can I, how? And God, how many know, he also knows how to tip pretty good. And he takes care of his children, okay? We're not working for his love. We're in partnership with our leader. And we're giving him an opportunity to tell us what he would like us to do next. Wait on God. And by the way, when God begins to speak to you over the long haul, write those thoughts down. Write those thoughts down. Number five, balance what you hear with the Bible. How many know we have great imaginations as human beings? And we can make things up. But everything that we begin to hear needs to be able to be balanced with the word of God. God doesn't contradict his words. The word of God is a great standard. It's a perfect piece of work for us. And when we go through life and we come up with ideas of what we think God is saying, let's make sure that it's balanced with the word of God. Is it ethical? Does it match with what God is saying? Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Write down what God is saying, and if you're looking at the word and you don't know if it matches the word, go to a spiritual authority that does know the word and say, hey, what do you think about this? The big thing is, I want to be under God's words, amen? Under his covering and stay within that, that realm. There are many people that in the, in the world, they, they have what they think is a word from God for somebody. And perhaps you've had somebody speak to you. They've given you a personal prophetic word or whatever else. I've had many people that have shared those things with me over time that have been very significant. I'll write them down. I'll make sure that they match the word of God, but I'll also sit and wait to let it be confirmed over time. I don't follow personal prophecy. I let personal prophecy be confirmed over time. And I think that's a good measure to have, be able to say, you know what, I need to let the word be the thing that leads. I need to let God's word be the thing that leads and those personal prophecies can come underneath and behind that and confirm what God is already doing. Number six, trust God with what you don't understand. Trust God with what you don't understand. God has a way of dropping things in to life that we just don't get. How many of you, sometimes life doesn't make sense? Huh? And you're like, I don't get it. Sometimes when we're not happy with how life has turned out, we want to run the other way and get mad at God. Sometimes we just get out. It didn't work out for me. Maybe we need to learn to pause and trust him. Because listen, I love what Pastor Dwight used to say. Life is best lived looking forward and understood looking back later. In other words, in the moment that I'm in, I don't get it. But I'm going to stay forward following God's voice. And later on, I'll see how he's woven everything together for the good of those that love him. Later on, I'll understand I've got to trust him with things I don't understand. You don't have to understand to live in faith. You do have to be faithful to what God has already said. And whatever God communicates to us is fully understood later. For example, when you have an impression from God, a dream, a prophetic word, or a moment, you try your best to interpret what it means now 
but you move forward with faith and later will understand. So what if we all learn to mute distractions and unmute the voice of God? What if we lived in faithfulness to what God has already spoken, but we anticipate how he will lead us into the future? What if your work was inspired by the words and the voice of God? Think about that. What if your finances were a literal relationship communication between you and God instead of a tug of war or a thing that you feel weird about? What if it was partnership with heaven? What if you lived in faith about your health? Faith comes by hearing the word of God and you read the word and you speak the words of life over your body and there's physical healing for bodies, amen? And you receive the strength and the nurture from God to continue in your journey. What if you lived the words of God in every part of your life? What if you invited God to join every part as you waited on the Lord? You know, this kind of relationship is possible over time that you can grow in. And as you grow in it, you have the capacity now to understand God quicker. And trust comes faster. Have you ever noticed people that are seasoned in the faith, perhaps a little bit older, they don't get all worried when there's stuff that happens around. It seems everybody else is freaking out and they're like, it'll work out. This too shall pass. And they have that sense of peace. It's because they've learned to partner with heaven and the word of God and their story. They don't have to fill in the blank in order to move forward. They can just trust that God is gonna help them. Pastor Daniels, Mark Daniels, the founder of our church, he and Shirley built our church on prayer, the word of God and prayer. And it would preach the word, be faithful, and they would pray. And it was simple faith. At one point, our church was across the street, uh, across on the other side of Osborne, in the city of Fridley, we were Fridley Assembly of God. In fact, when we moved over to the Spring Lake Park location, we just went across the street, it was just in a different city, and we couldn't be Fridley Assembly of God anymore, right? So that's when we became Emmanuel. And, uh, and during that whole process, God had planted a, a, a kind of a leading of the Spirit in Pastor Daniel's heart that we're there to buy this property in Spring Lake Park where I now preach today. And uh, they were to buy the property and then he had a plan to build a sanctuary that would eventually be doubled. And he felt like it was God, it was confirmed by God, it was confirmed by the people of the church. And, and as we moved forward, one day he got a phone call before the building was built that they were not gonna, the city was not gonna let us build the building. This had been a dumping ground for all the refuse from tornadoes in the 1960s, and they said the ground wasn't good enough to hold a building. And so they're basically saying, your dream is wrong and dream is done and we've already sold the people on everything and bought the property and a whole bunch of other things. But now they're saying that. You know what Pastor Dedius did? He hung up the phone, leaned back and he said, well, God, you've got a problem. Isn't that good? Because it wasn't Pastor Dedius' dream, it was God's dream. How many know when God says it, he knows how to make it happen? And when we get into trouble and we're like, why, where are you, God, in all of this? We need to be able to chill out, baby. We need to pause and say, speak, Lord. Your servant's listening. I'm available. I trust you. You know how to weave everything together for the good. And I know you're not done with my life. You're not done with my family. 
You're not done with this church. You're not done with this city. You're not done with this nation. I mean, you know, God's not done with the world. He's still got people to save, deliver, and set free. God's got a plan, and he's not worried. And no devil from hell can stop what God is about to do. If his people, if his people listen, don't be an Eli. Be a Samuel. Be the one that listens to what God is saying to you. Today, I believe that God is going to speak, not just today, but also in the weeks to come, in the days to come. I'm calling the church to be people that don't just want God to speak to your pastor. I want God to speak to you. I want God to drop things in your heart. And I want you to be open and let the Lord speak to God. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. You can learn more about the various ministries that Emmanuel offers and see Sunday services live every week. Check out emmanuelcc.org for details.